Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men Weekly Podcast, a show where we bring you the best clips from all of our Red Men Plus subscriber content from the previous we uh, yeah, just to let you guys know all of these shows that you're about to listen to are available for full, both in video and podcast forms over at redmenplus.com. Got an offer code for you as well as our wonderful weekly listeners. If you guys want to go over to redmenplus.com, if you sign up as a yearly club captain, it usually costs you 50 quid to get access to that for the entire year. Well, if you use the promo code weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, on the payment screen, we'll give you 50% off that. So basically 25 quid, an absolute bargain for all the amazing Liverpool content for an entire year yeah go and get yourselves involved I highly highly recommend it loads years have done so already our wonderful weekly listeners I encourage all of you to go and do the same if you can and if you want right then first clip of the week comes from the biased football podcast it was Paul Chris Dan and myself having a big old chat about what's going on. Not Liverpool related, which was actually a blessing given what happened the day before, a couple of days ago when Liverpool got beat by Bournemouth. We paid our attention to elsewhere in the Premier League and here's what the guys and myself had to say. I think the relegation stuff stays absolutely fascinating right now. Like <laughs> it's, it's mad. Everyone's in relegation. Everyone could go down. Who do you is safe in United. the league table? <laughs> Man United and third. <laughs> Just down there. There's... So let just for the sake of for completeness on this, Crystal Palace are in twelfth, and I think the fact you raised this last week, I think they yeah. like you like they're very much on the on the verge of getting sucked in. And I wasn't totally convinced of that, but Villa are in eleventh and have got thirty five points. Villa are eight points ahead of Crystal Palace, and that's the only noticeable air break yeah. between between that that part of the table. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. Palace in 12th, 27th. Uh, 20, they're, so they're 12th three points above the relegation yeah, zone. Exactly. Yeah. Wolves, 27. Going down 14th. Forest, 26. Everton, 25. Leicester, 24. West Ham, 24. Bournemouth, 24. Leeds, 23. Southampton, 22. And that's, I mean, the fact that Everton are in 15th mm. with a 1-0 win tells you, Dan, of like, that is genuinely any of those teams could go down. Southampton all of a sudden seem capable of actually getting a, couple of points here and there yeah. as we saw Bournemouth as well we'd have both had them pretty much as dead guaranteed down 
and no one is at this point. Well, I thought Bournemouth was best. I felt like they were on the cusp, but we did them a huge favour, obviously, on the weekend yes. to bring it back to a Liverpool angle. But yeah, I had them on the cusp of being written off, and now that's changed dramatically. But this weekend was one of the maddest ones because, like I say, Everton win, and you kind of see the results around them, and you think, oh, it might not have actually done that much of a favour. Then you check the table, and the 15th, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really mean ball. anything because it's such a mess. Like I actually said last week, I think Palace could go. I think they could. their form is the by far the worst out of all these teams we're talking about. Leicester's the manager, it is pretty bad, but uh, James Madison <laughs> still Leicester's is the key. Well, they, beat, they beat Tottenham four one two they weeks ago. So I know. Well, Madison got to... went off injured as well as another point. I can get the form table up. You're right. For- Forest, the bottom of the form table, which has shocked me because in my head they'd like okay. they turned the corner and they were starting to like just at least grind grind things out a bit. Whereas yeah, they've they've taken two draw only one only got two draws as positive results in the last five. Leicester one win and four defeats in the last five. Palace three draws, two defeats in the, in the last five. Yeah, they're in a in a. I mean, Newcastle is seventeenth in the form table, mm-hmm. which is really annoying because um, we would like them to stay there. Um, the Le- the Leicester one's the big one for me. Like I've I've been I've been so like lost in the West Hamness of it all of mm-hmm. them being like the best team down there. Almost they got the one of the better managers. They've got some really good players. I thought I I just taking my eyes off Leicester. I just presumed they'd be all right. Mm-hmm. Give it Vardy till the end of the season. I've seen <laughs> that. I saw that rumor. Seen that. Fucking magic. It was our man Indy Kyler, wasn't it? Oh, was brilliant. I mean, uh, he's, he's, willing, like, he's willing. He's willing to, step to do in. it because <laughs> he loves the club. He's willing to step in till the end of the season. Rebecca like, give it Vardy, mate. Give it Vardy till end of season. He picked himself every game. They are they're sleepwalking towards relegation as well. They yeah. are they're crap. They are, they are, Madison doesn't think so, does he? James Madison doesn't reckon they're anywhere near relegation. No, yeah, he's sweet. Yeah, he's fine. No. He came out fighting and saying, anyone who knows anything about footy basically needs to analyse the games a little bit more because if you've seen how many chances we created and so on and so on, like you'd see we're clearly not in a relegation battle. It's like, ah, the league table suggests you might be, James. <laughs> yeah. It suggests you might be. But he's definitely sleepwalking into it, 100%. They're, they're man, West Ham are shit. Like that, and that, that everyone is made. That, that, that's what I'm saying. That this league this year, it's mad. There's a, the, the bottom eight. It's, it's, like a, it's a massive relegation battle, and it's it's you couldn't predict with any certainty. Like I think Bournemouth will go down, and I still think Southampton will go down. But that's just guessing. There's nobody I'm I'm like nailed on. I think I actually think Everton will stay up. I think they're going to win enough home games. And like I said two weeks ago and last time, I think they're going to win enough enough home games one nil. That they're probably and that's what they did again. Mm. Um. But yeah, the, the, it's a it's a mess. Really, it's the is. teams that can't score goals that I'm worried for at the yeah. moment because I, I I think Leicester are in trouble, but they do have enough that they can score goals every now and again. Like there are teams that just don't score enough goals. Southampton's one of them. It's Palace just, it's, the there are a couple of teams score goals. Well, your point, Leicester are the highest goal scorers in the bottom half of the division. You yeah, know, the only team are closer. They've got 30, scored 37 goals in 26 games so far this season. Villa scored 32, and everyone else is in the, the 20s and, and and lower. So yeah. there's a couple of teams down there who haven't played the card yet. <laughs> the the let's sack the manager card, and there's a few there's a few who've got that to play. Southampton can't play it no more. No. Not, I don't think Bournemouth are really in a position to do that. But I'm not sure. They don't want this year anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure they are. But like, David Moyes and Brendan Rodgers are begging to be sacked. It's like, all a bit like... Are, those two are, are in trouble. Patrick Vieira, I think, is in a bit of bother as well. The part of the manager card, though, is a bit like the the nos button in, in Fast and the Furious, is that you get to play it and you get your boost. But if you play it too soon... 
then you fuck there. Mm. But if you play, but if you play it too late, you've not left yourself with enough. And also, the, where this analogy falls completely flat on its face <laughs> is that it's like there's only so many Noz tanks to go around. And this being the new manager thing is that. Does, who who do you get in now? Who's Sam Allardyce is on the M6 Ben- well, Exactly, Allardyce and Rafa Benitez are sat on, on the sidelines waiting for their opportunity. I'm but... telling you, Alan Kerbishley, he's not done anything for time. Why <laughs> <laughs> Evans? Roy Evans. It's why Everton after at the right time to yeah, get patient because yeah. he was he was there. Yeah. The, the only one left. The only one left is Benitez is just standing there ready to get tagged in. He's like like the wrestler waiting for the hot tag, and there's, yeah. like, there's like 15 different teams just crawling towards getting him. But listen, mate, the last time he took the. Last time he tried, he got he did go down. With him. Like didn't but Benitez is going to turn heel and move his arm yeah, around at the last think, minute. I, I though, think he might. Think he might. Yeah, fucking, <laughs> fucking no, 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 no. I think he did that. Sure, Michael. I think he did that to Leeds and probably Southampton as well. Yeah. I think reading through the lines, he might have already done that. Yeah. But like, there, there are a couple of teams down there who've got that card to play. But like, it's the, the Leicester thing to go back to what you said before is it's all right. We've been able to score goals and they have score goals but my god they are easy to score against the goalie is fucking crap see, and the defenders see, just, mate he's, don't, if you stick over Danny Ward <laughs> we've had fights about goalkeepers in the past and if you're, if you're about to stick over Danny Ward I can't have that conversation I was I, I, I don't think Danny Ward is as bad oh as, as, as people make out I think you've I think did you what I mean look at they get battered if it wasn't for Danny Ward I can't week, comment right? on this I know him Oh, yeah. So I can't comment shit, on it. I'm sorry. Tell him. I'm quite close with his missus. So I can't get involved in this okay, conversation. Dan. Interesting. Um, maybe that's why he's so. How close are you with his missus? Not that close. <laughs> just just relatively that, close. Maybe he has problems at home. He's fucking crap. I'm sorry. And uh, but, but like, <laughs> my he was crap. <laughs> he was crap on the weekend. He was definitely he was fucking rubbish. Definitely a fall for that first uh, one. I think. And yeah. got and he can't defend. The centre halves are a joke. Yeah. The, the thing about West Ham, I look at it and think, if you were a new manager going into those sides, could you get them? What could you get them going with? What can you do? Thing is, West Ham, that they're the most difficult because what what are you going to do with West Ham? Mm. Because you can't bring a more defensive manager in because that's Moyes is the fucking yeah. Devil. That's the point. He's not. This what this what this is where they've gone wrong. They've tried to evolve. They've tried to be we're going to be ultra attacking uber boss West Ham, and they should. It, it happened to him. But, but, but yeah, but it's the thing. He but he's you're not going to get a manager who's going to be able to if he if he wants to he either has to change his his, his modus operandi or whatever. So in that regard, what's the point of changing the manager? Just convince Moyes to play more Moyes ball mm-hmm. and then probably keep his job and then you can go back to your highfalutin ideals of play some attack play some attack and footy when you're safe next season um, but Leicester uh, but that, that's my point Leicester where'd you go you have to get a defensive manager in for them which is totally undoing what what, what he's what he's been done done for years but that might say what I'm saying is you might Leicester are probably likely to get more of a bounce than West Ham because maybe you get someone who's a better attacker manager in but I mean, like Everton tried to do that with Lampard, didn't he? And and he ended up having to throw that all out the window to try to park the bus to, to go for survival. You know who's crap? Awkward. Leeds are fucking crap. Yeah, they're bad. Then they they got goals. goals. They got goals in the side again. There's like Leicester for me. They have players who are able to score, and that keeps them up, in my opinion. You know, like, they are yeah. crap, but they've got yeah. goal scorers. It's why, Southampton, it's why I said before Southampton are born off a bang in trouble because they haven't got anyone. Che Adams, Adam Armstrong, just aren't it at all. And even though Paul thinks Tom Swanky is like fucking. The next coming. I was genuinely. I, it's mad though, but I was watch, I was watching them Bournemouth the other week and seeing Solanke leading the line and just thinking like I can understand why Liverpool took, took a punt on him at the time and he wasn't of the level required. But I did have a little wonder of like how 
do we still have the do we still have a buyback clause or not that we the gapo means you don't need that at all anymore but he he's just a that's a really fucking useful player but do you want to know where the the um goal difference theory has the relegation battle yeah. at the moment mm. so where's have got to be there though worst goal difference in the league they're not actually they're they're Okay, yeah, they're close. Um, where's goal shooting. difference in the league? Joint on minus twenty six. Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth. Fuck, they wear shit, lad. They both beat us. Yep. <laughs> and the next worst goal difference with minus twenty one is Southampton. The one after that is Everton Football Club yeah. at minus eighteen. But Everton are moving in the right direction. Who do you think the? Okay, so Southampton and Bournemouth are the bookies' favourites to go down. Yeah. Who do you think, according to odds checker, are the third favourites to go down? It should be Leeds. Southampton, Bournemouth, Wolves. No, Wolves are six to one. They're out of it. Oh yeah. Wait, sorry. You, you, Southampton, Southampton the favourites and Bournemouth. Oh, they're, they're both odds on. Forest. Forest next. Are they really? Forest, yeah. yeah. So at the moment they're a few places above it, but them and Everton, and then Leeds, and then Leicester are genuine, and even West Ham are quite outsiders. Four to one and nine to two. Wolves are six to one. So yeah, Liverpool. form has a little play, bit part of Liverpool. Play, by the way, then. get after Crystal Palace. It's Liverpool. <laughs> Five hundred to one. It was in Chelsea, but in general, the bookies are the bookies aren't fancying them Forest. But like, there's a lot of South Coast is in There's not a lot of There's not a lot of. It goes to show, though, a couple of results make make a huge difference. I mean, again, Everton are twelfth in the form table at the moment yeah. because they've managed two two wins and a draw in the I last. I thought if Forest would have beat Everton, they were safe. Yeah, and Steve by Cooper. Not beating them. Yeah. It does like the favourite. It's crazy how yeah. tight it. Well, Steve Cooper was getting linked with a Spurs job a fortnight ago. Like people were waxing lyrical about the job he was doing at Forest. He had a bad run of results, and now that's the answer. It's mad. Like, In the last five, Nottingham Forest have scored four goals and conceded twelve. Yeah, they don't have a striker either. Um, well, out of interest, what about United's last five? United's last five. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> you say that. Eleventh in the form table. Hang on a second, that can't be right. Oh yeah, it can. Um, they've scored five. And conceded seven. <laughs> Is that it? Apparently so. Well, we conceded against us. <laughs> mad. Doing all right, Andy. Wow. Logging on mills. They're fucking crap as well. Everyone's crap, mate. They're all leagues fucking shite. Arsenal had the best of a bad bunch, and even they're not that great. They're good. They're very good. Oh, but... sorry, it's only the last four because they, they, everyone else has played five. It's only four games mm. for that. So, yeah. They were good yesterday, Arsenal. They were. They're, they're the best of the bad bunch. <laughs> but everyone just feel like at the minute the league's quite mediocre. It's, it's going to be quite exciting because you're going down to the last game of the season. I think everything's going to be in play. League, top four, everything. Yeah, the Bias Football Podcast becoming one of my favourite shows to do, actually, because yeah, it lets me talk about something else other than Liverpool, which can be a blessing at times. And like I say, we still do it with our Liverpool tinted glass on, though, hence the name Biased. Moving on then, yeah, we do have to talk about Liverpool now, unfortunately. Real Madrid won, Liverpool nil. Not ideal. Not ideal at all as Liverpool's Champions League hopes ended, well, with a bit of a whimper, really. The following day after the game, Steve Plunk, Sam Walker and... Dan Club had a chat about the previous night at the Bernabeu. We lack conviction in everything we did, quite frankly, particularly Mohamed Salah. And he seems to be sort of the main culprit at the minute when it goes. He kind of typifies our season, actually, going from the sublime to the ridiculous. He's absolutely untouchable against Manchester United. Looks like probably the best player in the world for 90 minutes. And then he goes to Bournemouth and Real Madrid. And I know Real Madrid are very good, but there's no excuse in how good Tony Cruz and Luka Modric are. Didn't have any impact on Mohamed Salah getting that pass wrong. Correct. Like he should yeah. just get that right, shouldn't he? he should, there's no, there's no, but that, for me is again 
he's sort of second-guessing himself. He's not completely confident in what he's doing. You referenced it earlier about them, them doing flicks around the corner. Everyone knows who everyone else is. We're lacking that in a big way, that cohesion, that understanding, that belief that everything we do is going to be the right option and it's going to work for us. It's just gone. It's absolutely gone right now. And for me, it all boils down to the opening 15, 20 minutes of football matches. If things don't go right, we used to say about Joe Gomez, didn't we? Yeah. We used to say if Joe Gomez's first few actions aren't nailed on, yeah. spot on, he's gone for 90 minutes. That's spread throughout the entire squad right yeah. now. Did you... It's just a joke. I, I thought I do think there was a slight upper level from Salah from Saturday. I thought Saturday was, was horrendous. I thought yeah. I thought everything he did was bad. Stage, and he missed penalty. Stage, spending the burning about that. But yeah. I thought, but I actually thought like there was a few times Verge sprayed it. He has good touch. Gets at show. them a couple of times. Yeah, mm. but I do agree with you that. But for me, what stood out it wasn't just Salah because I remember saying this. It was it was the it was the stark difference of technical ability between our front six and their front six. Their, the defense is generally look after one another but the, the the way they could play a ball with precision compared to us was horrendously different the fact that the amount of times our, our forward lads had a, a touch and it just got tackled or they got and they were their lads which Ben's bringing it down spraying it like stepping away from a player it felt like the technical ability levels was championship to Premier League yesterday and we were just working hard Mm. And that shouldn't be the case. I know yeah. midfield was a bit more reserved, but up front when you've got Mo Salah, you know, Gakpo, Nunes, Firmino, Jot, whoever, and they can't play a one-touch pass back to a player or they can't play a simple pass in front of Nunes, for instance, to get in on goal. That's the worrying bit for me, is that why can't you do that? That's the simplest part of football, a 10-yard pass. Yeah, totally agree. Um we sit and watch the game, we're waiting for Liverpool to fire up ahead of steam, Sam. We're waiting for the, the trigger that's something that says, Right, this is this is last chance saloon. Let's be honest, the whole game was last chance saloon. We went there desperately needed something to, to be a catalyst for a form of a recovery. It never came. We never seemed to work up that head of steam. Some of the things you've just said are, are absolutely spot on. An inability to pass the ball between the lines, um, not able to put the ball in front of people so they yeah. can run onto it and manipulate the ball. Um, the double pivot becoming more protective as the game went on, yeah. not really playing in the final third. James Milner of the two was the guy that stepped forward, yeah. um, but but doesn't lack the guy, doesn't have the same guile as, a, as Luka Modric does. Um, didn't come frustrating, disappointing for me. It was yeah. it was frustrating. It's frustrating because we actually got the ball to the area of the pitch where you can penetrate. Like we actually did, we actually got to the edge of their box, say ten times in the game, where it's like right now the next move's it, and the run wasn't there, the pass was poor, the decision was poor. And that's what why we didn't get that. The set pieces didn't come off. We didn't win any second balls. In fact, they were picking the ball up on the penalty spot in their own box and counter attacking, which is frightening. Um, it just felt like every time we got there we didn't do the right thing or we made a mess of it and that's why we never got the head of steam but I don't know if you've got it in your notes to talk about but the substitutions didn't help yeah. that either mm. I think that that didn't help us penetrate either because we didn't have that that sort of person in and around the penalty spot willing to just pick up a bit of change and score but for me it comes down to that we didn't get that head of steam up because we weren't, create, we weren't showing the quality in and around their box to do that 
So I make Sam exactly right in everything he just said. And, and, and the time does come for Liverpool to make changes. And it's Bobby and Harvey on for Jota and Nunes. Now, the Jota one, I get it. I understand it. He seemed to choose violence at the start of the second half. He woke up at the start <laughs> of the second half and went putting the foot in and lucky not to get booked. Mm. Um, we talk about Jota an awful lot in the same way we talk about Joe Gomez and a player that needs half a dozen or 10 games to really get into his stride. Um, there is a concern around Jota at the moment. He's now 29 games without a goal for mm -hmm. a forward. And, and as you said before, Daniel, quite right to reference it. That's his currency goals. Mm -hmm. Albeit this season, it really isn't. And I know he's been unlucky with injuries. And that's also a reoccurring theme. Mm. I understood completely the Jota's uh, substitution. I couldn't understand why Darwin Nunes was taken off. No, neither could I. I just on Jota, he is 100% struggling right now. I'm not anywhere near sort of writing him off. And I've seen certain reports about linking him to different clubs and stuff like that. I'm not going to write him off. I think he's had a bad season of injuries. If this repeats itself next year, it's a wholly different conversation, yeah. by the way. But for me, like I say, I said to you this morning, his currency is goals. And when they're in short supply or non-existent like they are right now, it's hard to see what he brings because he's not a Roberto Firmino. He's not even a Cody Gakpo. He's not even a Darwin Nunes with his pace. He's not a Salah with his assists. He doesn't bring a whole load else to the game. Like his pressing is okay. It's not phenomenal. He's not Sadio Mane when it comes to pressing. His link up isn't Roberto Firmino. So if he's not finding the back of the net, it's hard to know what he's bringing because his main asset was just his instinctive finishing. Like, he doesn't matter how he's playing normally. When he gets a chance, he scores. Simple as that. Right now, that's not happening for him. And I don't really pin too much blame at his door for that because he has been out for so long. He's had two relatively serious injuries this season. He's barely kicked the ball in anger. He probably needs a full preseason. And hopefully he gets that. I think, I'm not surprised he started last night because, like I say, we needed goals to win the game. We were chasing, so you could do start Jota. But again, I think it's just another case of it not clicking for him. He's not sharp. He's not at it. I think we reserve judgment before he's had that full preseason and we see what he's like at the start of next year. As for the Nunes change, didn't understand it. Did understand it at Bournemouth. He was really frustrated at Bournemouth. It happened right in front of me. He was livid. But there was no room for him to run in behind. Bournemouth was so deep, there was no space for him to get behind the line. And that is sort of his main weapon, is his pace. He's electric. That was there last night against Real Madrid. There was space in behind. He did get a little bit of joy. So, And when you are chasing the game, you don't take off one of your main weapons. Like I really like Harvey Elliott, but he's not going to come on and change a game at the Bernabeu when you need three goals to win it. It's just not going to happen. Like Darwin Nunes has got that in him. Yeah. He has. He hasn't shown it in his full full essence and he's become a Liverpool player but if you'd have said to me at the start of last night you're going to win tonight 4-0 and Darwin Nunes are going to get two or three of them I wouldn't have thought you were mad if you yeah, said yeah, you're going yeah. to win 4-0 and Harvey Elliott's going to get two I'd have gone yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? He's like, not there yet is yeah. he? Do you know what though so just, just to add in is that um, both both Bournemouth and Madrid Trump's were mad because when you need a goal and you've got a 6 foot 2 striker in the box who scored 4 That's or true. 5 headers this year like I'm sure you're gonna. I'm sure we can go over play by play, but the amount of times we got the ball wide and there was not a soul in the box, that's Nunez's position. You've took you've took Jota off and Darwin Nunez, and they're the only two players who play centrally who are hungry to be near the goal. That for me was the end of the game. So I'm going to speak about Klopp's comments in the press conference, and then I'm going to ask you a question about I haven't, I haven't exactly. That, yeah. So Klopp basically said the reason he took Darwin off was because he wasn't in a great moment. He wasn't at 100% at the races, so to speak. And we needed to defend better down that side. So that was his justification for taking Darwin Nunes off. Okay. Thinking about that on the drive-in this morning, speaking to Tom uh, on the way in this morning, should we have changed to, to up top and, and, and potentially gone wide and put yeah. the ball into those areas and played Salah and, or, or Gakpo and, and, 
um, Darwin Nunes right through the middle as a two. Why not? Exactly. Why, why not? Why not put two six foot two three lads in the box and get balls in? Look for the second ball on the edge of the box. Why not take Milner off and put Harvey on? Why not go to three at the back and one in front? Why not do something to try and nick a goal and give Real Madrid a worry for ten minutes? I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. He wasn't in a good moment. Like, yeah, but he left Salah on the pitch at Bournemouth. He wasn't in a good moment from ten minutes before kickoff. Like, you can't throw that out there. Everyone says it all the time. Everyone's everyone can be subbed apart from Mo Salah. Well, Salah's a legend, love him, but he survives all of these bad patches of form when everyone else suffers. And I just think we're seeing it with Nunes again now. The guy's electric. He can win an header. He can cut in and whack one. You need three goals. I think realistically, he he's been maybe nursing them for a period. Yeah. And he's just not going to say that in, in public. I think I, I I don't think that's I think he's just saying that to be honest I don't believe that for one bit you take Darwin Nunes off when you need and, and to go from four up front so to speak or four forwards on to three when you're chasing three goals it just doesn't add up. Hindsight's a wonderful <clears throat> thing when you can sit back and reflect on the game and think maybe we should have done that in the cauldron of the Bernabeu Dan when you hmm. when you're the manager stood on the touchline and you're not seeing the team create anything um, the changes then that he brought on he brings in <clears throat> other people he brings on Elliot to, to sit in that. Pocket in the midfield, I alluded to how successful we were with that against Manchester United. Yep. Um, the changes, did they make sense to you? I, I felt when we brought the change on, and we've seen this uh, all too often this season, we lose our way a little bit and, mm -hmm. and we basically are devoid of threat. Yep. I saw the same against Real Madrid last night. Yeah, the game, the game petered out, didn't it, after that really. It felt like the, the changes in a game like that can, can go one of two ways, can't they? They can sort of reignite you and say, right, now we're going to go full throttle, let's see what happens, let's have a right good go at it. Or, on the flip side of that, you can just kind of stop and just kind of, it just drifts into insignificance and it, unfortunately it was the latter. Um, like I say, I really like Harvey Elliott, I do, and I think he's got a huge role to play. Like I said earlier, I think he's played every single game this season, so clearly Jurgen Klopp loves him. But one of the... Probably the only major sort of constant criticism of Klopp throughout his tenure at Liverpool has been his changes. Like, I think so. He obviously gets them right from time to time, but it's probably his weakest part of his management in many senses as well. I don't quite see, like, every single person to a man, whether it be social media, in here last night, probably in the stadium, looked at those changes last night and gone, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't get that. Like, the Nunes one, obviously, especially. And I think. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's fair criticism. Like, we all adore Jurgen Klopp. We adore what he does. And I personally still think he's the best manager in the world. But he is allowed a flaw. And I think substitutions are probably it. Because I'm not sure... I just don't know where he gets it. You mentioned Salah always staying on. And you're right. Like, how does he get a pass from Bournemouth especially? And Nunes comes oh. off. And then the same thing happens again in the week. It doesn't seem to make a huge amount of sense to me. And like I say, he's tried something. I suppose to sort of strip it all back. Jurgen Klopp clearly looked at the way the game was panning out. He's seen Darwin Nunes not playing really well. And he's thought, you know what? I'm not just going to let it drift. I'm going to do try and do something about it, which I, I commend him for, and that's fine. However, what he tried is probably the wrong thing. He might have been better trying what you two said in terms of going to a two big lads up front and just seeing what we can make of that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Steve, thanks to Dan, and thanks to Sam. Right next up, it is Jano Inside Time. Me and Neil Jones. We recorded it a day later because Neil was uh, was flying home from Spain on Thursday. So yeah, early Friday, I had Neil in the studio. And there's a fair bit of transfer stuff going around as well. There's been links to Barcelona, midfield Gavi. There's a load of contract situations going on at Barcelona. I'm not going to bore you with the details. You'll hear about it in the show. But yeah, essentially, there's a chance that Liverpool can get Gavi, a player they have wanted to sign in the past, for nothing because of a mad contract loophole clause kind of thing that is happening over there. Like I say, Barcelona is a bit of a shambles at the minute. So I posed to Neil Jones, what are the chances? And could Liverpool actually sign the superstar Spanish midfielder? Let's see what Neil had to say. We'll do some transfer talk. I want to bring up the Gavi story. So, for those who might not be aware, it, it, this report comes from Tom. Is it all not? Is that Tom all not? Tom all not. In, in yeah. the Times, yeah. It says Liverpool and Man City are keeping an eye on an increasingly messy situation surrounding Barcelona midfielder Gavi, who could become available on a free transfer because of a dispute over whether the Spanish club can afford to even register him. Basically, without going into too much, Barca. Um, Give off them a new contract. Liverpool were interested in last summer. It was reporting as well. Off them a new contract. It's now going through the courts to decide whether they're breaching financial rules yeah. by giving them that contract. So, then there's an issue about the time and of the contract. So, so as what well. what it what it is is he's obviously a homegrown player who's on a youth contract, which expires this summer. Yeah. They want they obviously have to put him on a, a first team contract. But weirdly, in in Spain or the, the rules in Spain is when you register a, 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 even a homegrown player from your academy. It's it's a new signing, and and yeah. Barcelona are in this position. Obviously, we we know all the sort of rigmarole surrounding pulling of levers, and you know trying to work around financial rules and selling off parts of you know assets and 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 future revenue. So they 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 it was a, initially ratified. I think it was in January that it was ratified, yeah. um, and then the league has appealed against that and won the the case. So it's been overturned. So at the moment. And I'm sure there'll be more to come from that. At the moment, Barca are standing to lose Gavi on a free because they, his youth contract expires in the summer. They can't give him another youth contract because he's 18 and they can't give him a first-team contract because they would need to free up funds, space. It's and, reminiscent and, of the Messi situation. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Yeah, they yeah. wanted to keep Messi and he out of contract. Because he, he was out of contract, he, he would have been a new signing. Yeah, yeah um, and that, that's the same with, with, with Gavi. I mean, it, it's a very... Potentially a very exciting story for Liverpool. I mean, I know Manchester City were also linked in the story, aren't they? And that 
that terrifies me to be honest the thought of them getting in um, but potentially a very exciting thing Liverpool linked last summer obviously you know and I think that was quite I think a lot of people sort of went no, I don't think there's any chance but you're looking now in, in March and you think okay you know, it's messy and as in messy with a Y um, you can get you can get a, a potentially a, a, I think he's not far off already but I think he's going to be world class player for very little, you know, wow, what a, what an opportunity that's going to be for someone. The only thing is, you know, we've seen in in Barcelona and Real Madrid and clubs like that that, that there's a lot of red tape and sort of you know secret sort of tricks that get pulled off that where, where you they get out of this situation. But we saw it messy, didn't we? They didn't, they didn't get out of that. I think I I, I think I remember when he sort of gave this thing. I always thought they'll sort that out and he'll just end up getting a new contract somehow. He never did. He he left so. There is there is precedent for it, and I would be, I have to say, I would be absolutely delighted if Liverpool were able to cash in and take advantage of this situation. It would be an, a real game changer for the club, but I think there's still a lot of uh, a lot of rumbling to come in this story. But to be fair, the time is run out, and the league are digging the heels in. So Javier Tabassi's the president yeah. of the league, says we've not let Barcelona sign players this winter. They will not be able to sign players. Next summer, he's adamant about it. They, they, there's talk of like a billion euros worth of debt at Barcelona. Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, just to clarify, if his contract is cancelled, he goes back to his youth term deal. Therefore, he's available for free. A commercial court in Barcelona ruled in favour of them in January to ratify the, the new contract. He was going to be on eight million euros a year, and it with a billion, billion pound, pound release clause. With a billion pound release clause, that is now being reversed. Uh, with La Liga claiming Barcelona missed the deadline to file their case. Sosa Barcelona insists everything was presented on time and Gabby's senior contact remains in force. So, yeah, it's essentially now a legal dispute. But we, we have seen this with, with Leo Messi. At some point, there's a point where he's, he's not a Barcelona player. And for his, for his career, he's going to have to go somewhere. Like I say, the thought of him going down the road to City is terrifying. Yeah. But the fact that Liverpool were interested in him in last year, maybe they had wind. Obviously, they'd have been aware of the contract situation and the rules around youth contacts in Spain anyway. They're very much, you know, it's not the first young Spanish lad Liverpool could have got on a cheap. We just spoke about Stefan by Chetich before. Mm. But this is another level of it. This is one where it feels like there's court and legal cases and loads of ramifications, but there's a chance for somebody to get a yeah. superstar player worth Barcelona volume at a billion pounds. They, they do that basically to say he's indispensable, no one's having him. For not someone can just have them and Barcelona yeah. getting knocking for it. I change that does change it. It's it's not just this isn't just a sort of Barcelona's hottest prospect. You know we've seen obviously in the past. I think Cesc Fabregas and um, Gerard Piquet. You know going away when they're sort of fourteen, fifteen from from La Masia. This is this is a player who's been you know he's played for Spain at the World Cup. He's he's brilliant. He, he, yeah, like he's a brilliant, brilliant player. You know he's already one of the best players of his position and age in the world you know so this this is this is another level up in terms of that and you know because your instinct almost says oh that looks a little bit sort of complicated you know I might keep keep myself out of that really you know I don't really want to get myself tied up in lawyers and court cases and you know embargoes and transfer bans and whatever else you know I don't fancy sort of unveiling this new player and then Barcelona's appeal goes to the court of arbitration and they say oh you know he can't he can't play anywhere until it's resolved and you're left with him I think he's sort of so good that you think if there's a chance, just go, just have a go. Like, you know, like put, sort of put yourself as, as close as you can. You know, <laughs> if I'm Liverpool, I think I'm sort of whispering in people's ears saying, I tell you what, the Barcelona are cheeky, aren't they? They're an absolute disgrace the way, what they, the way they've carried on. I definitely wouldn't overturn that decision. And um, 
it's an, it, you know it's, it's definitely one to watch. It's definitely an exciting one from from Liverpool point of view if they can get in there. But like I say, you know it's it's a it's a messy a messy story, and there's going to be a lot more to come in it. And you know I think it's just one to keep an eye on and see what 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 can come of it. But some player. Yeah, like I say, Liverpool inquired about him last summer. Um, City, again, but, but there was talk of Bernardo Silva going to Barca and maybe City trying to get Gavi back if he weren't going to sign a contract. But like, he did sign a contract, it's just whether, it, it, whether it, uh, it stands up in court. Liverpool have done this before, by the way. Again, not in terms of stealing the play, but like, if they think a player is that good, they'll go down the legal route. They did it with Javier Mascarano, it was a long time ago, it was a different regime, but essentially they thought he was worth the hassle of going to court and, and Rick Paddy having to go to and all that kind of stuff. There are certain players where you're thinking, oh, it, it is just worth the messing around because ultimately, yeah. they haven't really got none to lose. Once you sign, I'm not going to take them back off yet. You know, what I mean? if you can get yeah. this done soon enough. And there's no, you know, just on a on a basis, there's no risk attached to this sign. As a, in terms of football, you know, obviously in terms of politics or, or that kind of thing, yeah, it's 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 going to be difficult to do. But in terms of football, I mean, you, you're getting a hundred million pound player almost. You know, <laughs> even if he. For some reason, he doesn't adapt to the Premier League or whatever. You know, this this is this is a player that's going to have a lot of value for 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 the rest of his career, pretty much. You know, injury permitting. So, you know, it's it's potentially a massive sort of coup for whoever gets him. And yeah, hopefully it's hopefully it's Liverpool. And I say this, and I mean this, knowing full well what I'm about to say, my sound man, but like only eight million euros a year wages. And I say only knowing very full well what that means. It's only like 150. Your thousand euros a week, which is about the going rate for the average. You know, mm. that, that's what that, that's like quite low down. Well, like, that's well, Alex Oxford Chamberlain's wages. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's not like a high wage. Like I say, Liverpool would obviously yeah. to try and get him there. They're gonna have to offer him more because Man City certainly will be able to. But and it all adds up. It's just whether, like, it's like you say before, the, the messy thing has changed this so much. Because I used to always think in these situations, someone at Real Madrid or someone at Barcelona will just find a way to get this box yeah. off. But like La Liga, are adamant that, that I think they basically got pissed off. The whole Super League stuff didn't help relations yeah. and all of this. But La Liga, they, they literally let Leo Messi leave the club. Leo Messi, you got more eyes on La Liga than anyone. Yeah. In the same time when Cristiano Ronaldo was about to go, and they were willing to stand up to Barcelona, La Liga aren't taking well, this you line look at, down. You look at obviously just another Barcelona issue, but early in the season with with Griezmann, wasn't it where he was playing? You can only play half an hour or less than half an hour a game, and you know you, the. They end up in these weird situations, don't they? I remember Arda Turan, I think, was was one of them. Was he, did he sign for Barcelona? I think he couldn't play for sort of three or four months at the start of a season. I think it was a fullback as well. I can't remember who it was. Um, you know, they they were they had the they do have these sort of disputes with the league and and, and over registration and and financial things. So, yeah, I think you're right. Messi Messi does sort of he he's obviously the poster boy of this. You know. La Liga versus Barcelona, or La Liga versus the big clubs, and obviously don't forget Barcelona embroiled in another scandal over you know over payments made to certain individuals and and, and companies. So you know there's yeah there's a lot going on at the new camp, um, and there's still nine points clear at the top of the table as well. So he could even he couldn't even go out as a La Liga winner and, and off into the sunset. Yeah, the terrifying thing, like you mentioned there, it's around this one because that obviously it's great for Liverpool. In Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, every, Arsenal, Paris Also, the second that it becomes available, that Gavi's there. You talk about everyone wanting Drew Bellingham for 150 million quid or whatever. Imagine if Gavi was available for nothing. There isn't a team in the world who aren't going to want him. Mm-hmm. And there are certain teams within this league. If he goes there, that it, that is terrifying because you talk about how you, you, you mentioned Fabregas before. He was phenomenal both at Arsenal and Chelsea. Gavi's ahead of him in terms of, like he's playing now all the time at Barca. It is it's. A, 
it is a scary prospect and he could go somewhere else as well. Listen, it's all well yeah. and good looking at this from the angle, but like again, you you you, you need cry before when you said Manchester City. Imagine <laughs> that he's he's just the perfect. He's player. perfect for them. I don't say he is. He's 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 one of them that sort of ten. He's a ten year plus player, isn't he? You know, at a club. So yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So there's the glass half full, glass half empty scenario there. But yeah, I think at least Liverpool seem to be in the uh, in the mix, and you know, hopefully. Hopefully, it were, you know, the cards fall in their favour. Hopefully, the Liga continues to stand up to Barcelona. Um, yeah, everyone getting the T-Bash banners out on the car. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. The fact that Barcelona is just a sham. Everything about that football club at the moment crazy. is just... It's, crazy. It's, for, and, but they're going to win the league probably as well. It's just it is yeah. bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely they play bonkers. Real Madrid on Sunday, don't they, in, the, in El Clasico. So, yeah, big one. Davy will be playing, hopefully he'll be playing in the Merseyside Davy next year. For us, not for everyone. Well, you know, Sean Dyche might be able to get on the phone to him. Thanks very much to Neil for coming and joining us. Yet Neil joins us each and every week. I love journal insights. It is lots and lots of fun to record and lots and lots of fun you guys apparently to listen to because the feedback we always get each and every week is brilliant. Right then, last clip I want to bring you is from the deep dive. Chris Pajak and Josh Williams, two guys with an analytical, statistical mind had a big old chat about Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's been in the news again, Trent, hasn't he? Jamie Carragher was having a little bit of a go at him, or, you know, well, yeah, having a little pop at him and maybe his position at Liverpool and where he should and maybe shouldn't play. Chris and Josh delved into the stats, delved into the tactics board and had a big old chinwag about Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'll be honest with you, they didn't seem too much in terms of drop-off between this season and last season's numbers, yeah. apart from assists, yeah. which I think was a huge drop-off. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at his numbers, that's that's the case, really. I think across the board, in attack and defence, it's similar to previous seasons for the most part. So he's still kind of producing like the same output that he always did. It's just more of a problem this season. And... I think if we're talking about his game with the ball, I think it's maybe a case of... He's, we're going to touch on in a minute how his numbers kind of paint him as the ultimate high-risk, high-reward player, I think. But I don't think Liverpool are in a position this season to accommodate a player like that. And rather than his high-risk stuff benefiting the team, it's resulted in us getting hurt just as much, going the opposite way. You said there that he hasn't registered as many assists, so his creation maybe hasn't been capitalised upon. Mm -hmm. And whenever there's, whenever like his crosses or his penetrating passes are being intercepted or cleared or whatever, on the defensive side, in transition in particular, as you say, we have been cut open. And I think a lot of that has stemmed from these three lads in the middle of the park, not providing the safety net that they previously did, because Trent previously would take up the ball in like around these positions and he'd, he'd create in some way where the ball comes in here and it probably lands if it's defended around here and you just add Henderson here, Wijnaldum there and Fabinho there as like three fire extinguishers mm -hmm. basically and this season for whatever reason Fabinho fell off a cliff and a lot of his teammates have in, in the middle of the park as well so I don't think Trent has been is given the platform to benefit the team as much as previous years, um, but if he is given that platform, he's unrivaled in what he does. So it's always been a curious tactical question, and I think it kind of captures why 
today I think Gareth Southgate has, has not included him in his England squad. Well, that's right. I, I, I can I can totally understand why Southgate wouldn't want somebody like Trent Alexander-Arnold because he's not able to accommodate somebody like Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, we've got a creator there at right back. You know, we've talked about him over the last few years how he's changed the game completely, but the, he's only been able to change the game with the t- his teammates, mm. and it's that specific makeup of I think the defensive partners and the midfielders and the way that Liverpool press high up the pitch, which allows for somebody in this right-back position to be a creator. Yeah. And it's the makeup of this midfield three. Now, in its most simplest terms, Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho from when we won the league, to an off-form Fabinho, uh, 19-year-old Harvey Elliott, and quite often an 18-year-old. Yeah. Or take Thiago instead of Bajetic. And last night you had Gakpo. Again. And Gakpo. <laughs> That's a completely different makeup. Even if you use the experienced player of Thiago and, and Harvey Elliott mm. as a player who's played in every single game so far this season for us somewhere most often in that position, that is a completely different midfield trio to Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum with a little bit of James Milner thrown in for good yeah. measure. The industry that we had in that midfield helped and allowed Trent Alexander-Arnold to do this. Yeah. Because he also knew, not only, like you said, that these players are going to get up on the final third, but when it is in transition, he had Jordan Henderson covering every blade of grass for him. And I actually think as well, I think he was a little bit lighter. Like, he's bulked up a bit, and I think he's had to physically. You're not the first to say that, you know, I've seen a few people. He is, he's just a, he's just a bigger player. Yeah. And I don't think he's. I don't think he was ever quick, hmm. but I do think he's a little bit slower than he was. Hmm. And his first instinct isn't, how am I going to defend this situation? It's, how am I going to help us score a goal? Yeah. And that's a funny thing to get your head around as a fullback, because it's not what fullbacks do most of the time. There's not many of them. You can name them on, you can count them on one hand. You know, Roberto Carlos, Marcello, Cafu, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Is there any more? Cancelo, maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah. In the last twenty years, they're the they're the they're the players that we go to, mm. and you know it's... and you know all of them because they're all outstanding football players. Trent's on that trajectory, but the teams allow those players to be themselves. Jose Mourinho started, bought Fabio Contrao, and started playing Fabio Contrao when he needed a defensive left back, and and pushed Marcello further up the pitch at times. Yeah. And so, that's also what Jamie Carragher was talking about last night, about yeah. buying a right-back. Now, I think one thing that's been forgotten is we bought a right-back. We just bought an injured right-back. Yeah, yeah. I think if you look at his, his overall problem, it's, um, it, it, as you say, it, he's no longer being fully accommodated by the system, really. Um, this player, it, OK, he's a right-back, and it, it, what, what you've essentially got there Look at it as if, how would you set up your tactical system if you had to play Kevin De Bruyne at right-back? Because that's kind of what he is, really, in terms of how he will use the ball and how he's not a natural defensive player when he hasn't got the ball. So if you played Kevin De Bruyne as your right-back, you probably wouldn't play Harvey Elliott there and you probably wouldn't play Mo Salah there either. It's just a proper overload side of the pitch. It's a bit different when Henderson's there and you've got Canate there who would think is, is well-suited to playing with Trent but this player has to be a dog <laughs> yeah. for Trent to prosper um, do you know what I'd do 
I'd play Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> fucking there. <laughs> and that's why people get annoyed about Trent not playing in the middle of the park, isn't it? Yeah, well, probably. So were you, was you playing in midfield that consistent? I know that was a, you know. No, it was a joke. Like, I, would you play? In... I genuinely, I'm at the point where I would, I would consider it now. See, and I don't know what that means. You know, Trent Alexander Arnold when he was growing up was a six, wasn't he? Hmm. For the start, not yeah. a not an eight. Yeah. Now, if you wanted a Zabi Alonso-esque DM, yeah. But if you want someone who's going to break up play, you may as well actually play him here. Yeah. So, I don't know. When people tell say, play him in midfield, I don't know whether he can play that position. Hmm. Because I don't think he's got the legs to do that and that all day. But if you're going to ask him to be a creator, and maybe these two lads are a bit more of the dog, and they're the lads taxed with running back, and he's a little bit more of a creator. Maybe. Yeah. But I ain't seen it. So how can I possibly say that's where he needs to go? Yeah. I think if if, if he obviously did that, this would have to be either Calvin Ramsey, James Milner, or Joe Gomez, which, for me, none of those three players should really make Liverpool's strongest eleven. Certainly not at the minute. So as a result of putting Trent there, you're kind of weakening the eleven a little bit. Um, you couldn't possibly do it without signing a right-back. No, no. And I think if you did have Trent there as well, um, one of the perks of it, I suppose, would be in in transition when we immediately lose the ball, rather than Trent being up here, we would have a right-back in place at right-back. Um, but this kind of brings us on to the defensive side of the game, though, because... Even if he gets moved into midfield, he's still got to defend. Yeah. He's still got to win challenges. And I think that is... He's not is... going up against wingers. No, no, but I think that's Carragher's main issue with it. I don't think it's... I don't think it's as... It's... For me, it's a lot of, like, body language stuff. and It, it, it does look sometimes like he, he, he just doesn't want to defend anymore. That's how it can look. It can come across like... He's, he's fed up with doing that and he's done it. Is, is this where body language plays an important part then? Because, you know, Jamie Carragher, as great a player as he was, would always put in the body language like he's putting absolutely everything on the line. Hmm. And that's why you fall in love with a player like that. Dirk Cout was exactly the same. Not physically, uh, not technically as gifted, but works so damn hard. Bobby Fino's got, you know, both. Technically, absolutely gifted, works incredibly hard. Virgil van Dijk's pissing people off this season for all the same things that he was doing yeah. two years ago, but now they're just not working. And he looks like he's not trying. Trent Alexander-Arnold's kind of the same for me. It looks like he's not trying. I actually... I said think this, he is, though? Is I, yeah, I think he is. Yeah. I, look, I, I said this on the phone, and it may... Look, I guess the people are going to disagree with me here, and I'm fine with that. This is my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he defended that bad last night, that we're okay. even warranting this kind of a conversation. I think there was one situation where you can question him big time, and that's where he scored the goal. But you can also question, as we mentioned on the first show, Virgil van Dijk, Fabinho, and Ibu Kanate in that. Mm. So it's not fair to just single out Trent Alexander-Arnold. I felt like last night he was in one-on-one -on -one situations all the time with Vinicius Junior, and his job, um, let me grab somebody else. This is Vinicius Junior here. His job was to always cover the outside because he knew his mate Canati was on the inside. 
His one job last night was to make sure that Vinicius didn't get round the outside. And I think he did all right at that. Because every time he cut inside, Canate was there and he knew that. Mm. But it looks like, oh, he's cut he's cut inside on Trent again. And say, like, yeah, but that's what we wanted. Because we didn't want him getting round the outside. Because there's no one here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I felt like he stuck diligently to his task last night. My problem with his performance last night is I thought he was shit when he was there. <laughs> and that's why he's in the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I and, I, and I get that people are going to say, oh, look, Vinicius had him on toast and all this. I get that. But I just don't feel like he did. I feel like between the two of them, they did do all right against probably one of the top three players in world football at the moment. And, you know, Jamie Carragher and Thierry on me, or Thierry on me, obviously once said very famously to Jamie Carragher, I only have to get past you once and you've had a shit game. Because if I score the winner, that's it. doesn't matter if you tackle me nine times. Yeah. If I get past you once... You've won 90% of the battles, but I scored the winner. Mm. So that's what you focus on. Yeah. And that's defending versus attacking, unfortunately. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Josh. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Like I say, if you want to listen to those shows in their entirety, plus loads, loads, loads more in terms of Red Men content, we have loads of shows each and every week, as well as an entire back catalogue of documentaries. Yeah, Liverpool haven't got a game now for a couple of weeks, so if you need some Liverpool filling your life, we have got the Jordan Henderson, Hendo 10 Years of Red documentary. We've got the story of the crew, with German Scouts, my Liverpool debut, the murals, guys, there's absolutely tons on there. Timeless content for you guys to go back and watch or listen to as well. Like I say, it's all those shows you just heard from. If you want to do it, do use that code weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y. You'll get it for half price if you sign up as a club captain for the year as well. Right then, enjoy your weekends. Liverpool can't ruin it this weekend. Keep an eye out on all the other footy. We'll be back next week with loads, loads more Red Men content, even though the Reds are in action. We have got you covered have a good weekend and I'll see you all later. Ta-da. Thanks for listening. If you want even more Bosch content and podcasts just like this, go over to redmenplus.com and sign up now. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.